Hello everyone and welcome back to Rain on Your Parade. Today we're going to be covering Stranger Things Chapter 4, The Body. This is a reference um, to the body that they found that they think is Will's. No spoilers, but you know. Um, yeah, and it's also a reference to Stephen King's short story, The Body, which was turned into the Stand By Me. Um, I read this short story a while back. Of course, I saw the movie first, but um, I started reading the short story, and it was called The Body, and I'm like, La Chance! Hold up! <laughs> I know this story. Um, when I was a kid, I was like, wait a minute, what? Uh, I read the short story when I was a kid. It was in different seasons, the uh, collection of short stories. It's also in the same book as the short story, uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Um, anyway. That doesn't matter, but it's it's cool. Um, but yeah, this is a reference to that. And um, um, in this episode, I'm pretty sure we see a lot of references to that movie, Stand By Me. Um, where they're walking along the railroad tracks, you know. So, anyway. Uh, I already posted my bonus episode talking about season four. Um... We haven't got the second volume yet. I'm still waiting on that. I'm excited to see it. Um, but, you know, for now, we're just going to get through a couple more episodes before Season 4, Volume 2. I went back and watched, like, the first three episodes just to watch them. <laughs> because I'm like, I need to watch these with my new context. You know, um, with knowing what we know now. Which is like, it doesn't really change much. Because it's like, it changes everything that we know. Like, it changes a lot that we know, but it doesn't, like change the watching experience really it's like I just I don't know um but anyway just because I knew all the stuff you know what I mean like it's all it, it when I even saw the season four you know episode seven uh, I already like repositioned everything in my brain to be like oh okay now we have the you know more information about what happened or whatever how or why or whatever um, maybe not all the way, but we're going to get more information in Volume 2. But anyway, let's jump right into it. This episode starts with, I just watched, um, I just finished Holly Jolly again. Just because. <laughs> it's always a good time to watch Holly Jolly. Um, so we got all the stuff, you know, like from the last episode of the podcast, that, or the actual episode, you know, Holly Jolly podcast that I did. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about it. Um, so we're going to jump right into this, talking about, um, yeah, it opens up on a star-filled sky, which is star-filled sky. I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I was doing a dictation, like writing dictation, because I had some old writing that I wanted to, like, um, put into my laptop that was on paper, and I didn't want to type all that, so I started, I just dictated it, and, um, I realized that, um, I must have an accent, because when I say filled, like, filled something up, it, it kept saying that I was saying fill, filled, like a field, like a field, like a field of grass or whatever, so field, Starfield Sky. <laughs> no. Starfield 
I had to like really enunciate to do dictation. So I was like noticing where all my problems are. And one of them was like, she kissed his eyes, like his eyeballs, like his eyelids really. But, um, at one point I had to say she kissed his eyes and it came up with like three stars. Like they thought I was cussing and I'm like, no eyes, eyes. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's just stupid. Okay. Let's get into the episode, Body, Chapter 4. Um, we open on the star-filled sky, and I'm pretty sure we open up with Mike in the basement mad at 11, and I'm like, don't be messing with my girl. Don't be messing with my girl. Anyway, let's get to it. I was wrong. I haven't seen this in a while. We actually open up to Joyce's house. Why is it so dark in here? Y'all can't turn on the lights? The cops are at Joyce's house investigating everything, and they're like, they're talking about the wall that the Demogorgon came through. I guess she told them, like, a creature came through the wall. See, this is what I'm talking about. Oh, no, I can't. <laughs> if you listen to my bonus episode with the portals versus gate, gate versus portal, this would have been a portal. I'm not going to go any deeper than that because I don't want to spoil it, but this would have been a portal because it's closed now. Okay. So, Hopper's telling her what they think happened, and uh, I love how they're doing this with this, like, distorted sound where she can't, we're kind of seeing it from her perspective, because she, or hearing it from her perspective, because it's kind of muffled out, and she's not really hearing what he's saying, and he's like, they, the working theory is that Will wrecked his bike and went to the quarry and um, fell in, and it's like, why would he even go there? Like, oh, I wrecked my bike, I think I'll walk to this place, like, how would he go all the way there? Like, I guess it's not far from Will's house, but it's not like, why would he go there instead of going home? Like, why would he leave his bike? There's just not, no, that doesn't even make sense. Anyway, it doesn't even make sense. Um, and she's like, no, no, whoever you found is not Will. It's not my boy. And, um, she's like, I was just talking to him. And he's like, huh? Through the lights, copper. Through the lights. I was talking to him through the lights. You don't understand. We're not... You know, we're not caught up with exposition yet, but he can talk through the lights. <laughs> it's like, this whole entire show, especially the first three seasons, are just people that should listen to Joyce. Like, it's just Joyce being gaslit from season one, episode one, up to season three, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the whole time Joyce being gaslit and people not believing her about things that she's absolutely right about. But whatever. As much as I'm saying, like, they're gaslighting her, it's like, this stuff sounds crazy. Like, she even knows it sounds crazy. Like, I mean, right here, this part, like, in season two and three, I'm like, y'all have seen this crap before, why aren't you believing her? But in this one, it's like, yeah, no. And which, you know, Hopper mostly does believe her in season two, but um, in this one, it's like, when she says the thing didn't have a face, Jonathan, like, takes off because he already thinks that Will is dead, and... Now he thinks his mom has lost her mind, so it's like, he's even, he's like doubly upset. He's like, okay, I have to deal with this alone, you know what I mean? Like, that's sad for Jonathan, because it's like, he really believes Will is dead, and, you know, he, his mom, you know, and he thinks that his mom has lost her mind, which it's like, there's no reason not to think she's lost her mind, because everything logically and, like, psychologically that that Hopper is telling her, like, this is, you know, after I lost Sarah, I saw her and hurt her too, and I had to tell myself, I had to, 
you know, remind myself that she was gone and, you know, or I would have fell into a dark hole that I would have never got out of, you know. And he's trying to genuinely help her. He's not, he's not gaslighting her because, I mean, this is not real gaslighting because they know or they don't know that she's right. You know what I mean? And who would think that she's right about this? Because, you know, she's talking about a creature that came out of the wall where there's no hole anymore. And so it's like, I'm not blaming them for not believing her because, you know, <laughs> the stuff sounds ridiculous. He was talking to me through the lights and stuff. You know, that sounds, you know, and so it's not really their fault. I'm not, like, blaming them for not believing her, but she is right. But they don't know that. <laughs> There's no way for them to know that. And also, it's the stuff she's saying sounds, you know, not it's not normal. So why would they? But they're trying, you know, Hopper's trying. And he's like, I need you to get some sleep. He's trying to help her, you know. He's not being condescending or like, you're a crazy lady. He's like... He's genuinely trying his best to help her, you know? And, uh, it's so sad, though, because she's like, I need you to believe me. And it looks like, you know, in his eyes, like, he really wants to, but he can't right now, you know? But he wants to, you know? He wishes he could, but, he, you know, you know. Um, <clears throat> and Jonathan's upset, and he goes in his room and is, like, crying. And I feel really bad for Jonathan because it's like, you know, he just found out his brother's dead, and now his mom is talking about all this stuff that he can't understand, and he's all alone, you know? It's like, this sucks. <laughs> sucks for him, you know? Uh, but anyway, I love this scene. I love what everyone does here. Hopper and Joyce both. Um, Hopper goes out to his truck, he tells her to get some sleep, and he starts to leave, but he looks at the house turns the car off and leans back and sleeps in the truck in her driveway. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Hopper sleeping in the driveway. <laughs> that is so sweet. Like, that is the sweetest thing. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, just, I love him. And Jonathan's listening to music and crying, which is normal for what he's been through. Because um, he thinks Will is dead. And then I love what Joyce does here because she's like sitting in the living room looking at that place where the monster came out of the hole. She's like, goes and starts to knock on Jonathan's door and can't. Like, they just can't connect right now. They can't connect right now because they're totally on different pages. You know what I mean? Like, they're both grieving, but they're grieving in different ways. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't believe Will's dead. She marches. She marches out to the shed. Kicks open the door. <laughs> and carries an axe back into the house. It's like freezing. And she's like, I'm going to keep this with me. Like, I would totally do the same thing. I would totally do the same thing. Like, she's like, I'm not going to. She she sits on the couch with that axe in her hand. Like, I'm ready to fight this thing. I'm, I will kill it to keep it from hurting Will, you know. Because she knows. She knows it's after Will. And he's hiding from it. And it's like, it's kind of weird because it's like, why is he so after Will? Like, I know that it hunts, but like, if it can't find Will, why is it searching for Will? It's like, it's almost like it's like specifically intelligently looking for Will. And it keeps coming through these portals in Will's house. You know, so it's like, you know, it coming through the woods and getting a deer, like it will later on. 
Like, that's one thing. Like, it didn't, you know, when it happened upon Will in the woods or in, on the road, it's like, okay, well, you know, it might happen upon some people, but, like, why is it, like, chasing Will down? It's not like it's intelligent. Like, is it intelligent enough to purposely be looking for him? You know? So it's like, why Will, too? You know, that's a bunch of questions I have. <laughs> the Wheeler parents are watching the news and they're talking about Will being found in the quarry. Karen is a good mom. Like, Ted is like, should I go down and talk to Mike? And she's like, give him time. He'll come to us when he's ready. But it's like, that's a good thing. But it's like, also, I just feel like a lot of the things she does are good parenting things. Even though, like, later on, like, I don't agree with one thing she does, like, by a long shot. And I don't think it has anything to do with her being a mom. You know what I mean? Like, the, those are two separate things. Mike is in the basement looking at Will's drawings. And look at this freaking couch. That couch is so typical. We all have that couch. Like, not, not really, but, like, my grandma had the couch. Mike's looking at Will's drawings and being sad. And, uh, Eleven's messing with the, uh walkie-talkie. There's, like, static. And he's like, can you please stop that? And he's, like, yelling at her and berating her. And I'm like, this is what I thought it was gonna start like. But, anyway. Yeah, this part makes me kind of mad. Because I'm like, you don't even understand. <laughs> this is so sad. Because it's like, he's berating her. Saying all these mean things for about her. To her. He's like, Lucas is right about you. You suck. And you're, you're a weirdo and a freak and all this. And blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he doesn't call her a weirdo and freak, but he said Lucas is right about you, and that's what. And she just, like, sits there and takes it. And continuously messes with this freaking... <laughs> it makes me mad, kind of. This uh, walkie-talkie. Because she doesn't know how to tell him. You know, she doesn't know how to tell him, you know, what she sees. But the only thing she can do is prove it, you know what I mean? So she's trying to prove it. And so she does, like, uh, Mike's just sitting there yelling at her, and then all of a sudden we hear Will's voice come over the walkie-talkie, and he's singing, should I stay or should I go? And he's doing a really good job of singing. Like, <laughs> he sings good. Um, but he's he sounds sad or, like, scared, you know? Like, the acting and the singing quality is superb from Noah Snap here. Like, he sings good, and he's acting the part of, like, even his voice sound you can tell he's like scared. And so Eleven does her thing and her nose is bleeding and she gets him to she she like transfers what she's hearing through the radio because she knows she can do this, you know, this is a thing she's done before, so she wanted Mike to hear Will for himself, you know, like I'll show you that he's still alive. And Mike just like looks <laughs> Mike ruins it and like tries to talk back over the walkie talkie and I'm like, That's not how this works. But anyway, um, he kind of cut him off there. It's like, what else could he... Which Will didn't even know he was being heard. He was just singing to himself to calm himself, I'm sure. But, um... Yeah. The, Mike looks at her and he's like, uh... <laughs> she holds the walkie-talkie out to him. And, like, you know, she sees that he hears this and she's like, she just kind of looks down, like, there it is. And it's like, girl, you don't have to put up with this. Like, she doesn't have to put up with this. That's the thing that gets me. It's like, anybody that doesn't like her or acts like she's not, like, she's selfish or whatever, it's like, 
they helped her, like, by bringing her in from out of the woods and not telling on her. But, dude, it takes her so much to convince them. You know what I mean? It's like, she doesn't have to put up with their garbage. She doesn't have to help them. Like, if they're being mean to her, she could just leave. Find somebody else to help her. You know, but no, she doesn't. She she continually takes their abuse. You know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know they're just kids and they're scared and they don't know how to react to this, you know, situation and her. And I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying. Anybody out there that wants to badmouth Eleven, come talk to me. Because she doesn't have to put up with this. She's being berated. And she didn't even have to come back to Mike's. It's like, she doesn't have to put up with this abuse, Mike. She doesn't have to use her powers to help you, but she's doing it anyway. For what? What does she gain out of this? Nothing. She's not getting anything out of this. She's just helping you because she wants to find Will because she just, just wants to help you. Like, <laughs> there's no reason for anybody to act like this is selfish of her. Like, she only continuously tries to help them even after they call her names and berate her. All she does is continuously take abuse and still help people. Anyway, <laughs> maybe this is why I relate to her so much. But no. <laughs> well, one of the reasons it really is, honestly. Sean Levy. I just saw a thing on Twitter and it was like listed all the uh, episodes that were directed by Sean Levy. And it was like all the best episodes, like Holly Jolly and this one, and several later on. And it's like, he is the best. Sean Levy is really the best. Joyce is dreaming that Will is talking to her and he says her name, but it's actually Jonathan and um then she's like he's like, We have to go and she's like, Where? And he's like, To see Will And obviously they're gonna go to the morgue. Then Karen comes into Mike's room and he's pulling the whole Elliot from E. T. thing and pretending to be sick. Well, he's not really pretending to be sick. He's he's actually pretending to be like, sad about Will, but he's not actually sad about Will, because he doesn't think he's dead anymore, um, but she's, like, she's being pretty cool, she's, like, you can come with me and bring a book, or, uh, we can stop by the video store, get any movie you want, even if it's R-rated, it's, like, cool mom Karen here, um, but he's, like, nah, I, I want to stay home, but it's kind of, like, that whole pretend to be sick thing, you know, because he's pretending to be sad, and, she, of course, she's like, you can stay home, it's fine. Like, obviously, you don't have to go to school the day after they found your, like, last night they found his friend's body, like, she thinks. So. And he gets up, and he's perfectly fine. Lucas, do you copy? And he's calling Lucas on the walkie-talkie. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to leave you alone until you answer me. Lucas, 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 and he keeps saying his name over, and he's like, what is it? I'm not in the mood, over and out. And then Mike's like, um, this is about Will, and he's like, what about Will? Is this about his funeral? And Mike's like, no, it's not about his funeral. Screw his funeral. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, honestly, I love that law, and I feel like it was, I, I feel like it might have been ad-libbed. He's like, no, screw his funeral. <clears throat> and then we go to the corner. We see Hopper's, like, vehicles out in the freaking, like, uh, parking lot. So, um, you know, Jonathan and and all of them are at the coroner looking at Will's body to identify it, I guess. <laughs> Hopper asks the secretary, what's taking so long? And she's like, everything's been different around here without Gary, you know. He's like, without Gary, where's Gary? And she's like, I thought you knew. Those men from state, they sent Gary home? Those men from state, they sent Gary home last night. It's like, that's weird. I guess Gary's like the usual coroner. 
I mean, it's suspicious, right? He look. He's sus He's like, who did the autopsy? State. She's like someone from state. It's like this is suspicious. Why would someone from state come in and do this? Like, why would that happen? You know, and he's starting to get suspicious. Like, because you know we have this whole uh, the lab. Like Hopper knows about the lab and MK Ultra and Dr. Brenner and now this. And so it's like he's starting to get suspicious. They show Joyce and Jonathan the body, and uh, Jonathan gets sick, which is like so sad. And Joyce just is like. He has a birthmark on his right arm. Could you show that to me, please? Like, she still does not believe it. And Jonathan and Hopper are sitting in the waiting room, like, talking. This is way off topic, but Jonathan looks really good in that sweater. Like, that sweater is nice, and he looks good in it. Um, Hopper asks him, how long has this stuff been going on with the lights and uh, all that? <laughs> Be his stepdad right now, please. Okay, so they're having this conversation, and Jonathan's talking about how he's worried about his mom. And he's like, she'll be okay. She's tough. And Hopper's like, she is. And then he puts his hand on Jonathan's shoulder and he's like, hey, she is. And they like smile at each other. And I'm like, I want you guys to be father and son so bad. Like, oh, <laughs> be a stepdad now. Anyway, they're having this moment and um, it's really sweet. And uh, <clears throat> Hopper's just so... You know, you start out watching this and you're like, he's kind of a loser and he sucks, you know. But then, like, gosh, him sitting outside her house last night, sleeping last night in her driveway, and then this. I'm in love with him. <laughs> I'm in love with this man. <laughs> and Jonathan. I love Jonathan, too. But, you know, Hopper's just really, oh, man, he's just proving himself. And then uh, you hear the corner yelling, ma'am, and, like, a noise. And <laughs> Joyce runs out the back and she's like. We're gonna hear what she says, because I love it. She's like, I don't know what you think that thing in there is, but it's not my son. And, and they try to stop her, Hopper, too. And he's like, ma'am. And Jonathan's like, mom. And she's like, no. And she, like, takes off. Oh, if only Joyce and Nancy could talk. It's like, a bunch of men not believing women. Come on, now. And Nancy's telling Steve, like, about, you know, she went to his house. And he's like, and you, you know, blah, blah, blah. She tells him she saw a guy with no face. And he's he's kind of being a little bit of a jerk. And Steve's like, I'm going to get in so much trouble for drinking, blah, blah, blah. And she's, like, mad about it. Because it's like, seriously, come on. Like, she's not going to be like, and we were drinking alcohol. And, and, you know, like, it's stupid. You know, and it doesn't matter. Like, Barb, she's like, Barb is missing and you're worried about beer and your dad, you know, getting mad. And it's like, how much of a jerk is his dad, really? Like, because... Is he abusive or something? Because maybe then it would make sense, but, you know. Um, no. He's not even worried about Nancy seeing a dude with no face or Barb being missing. He's like, I'm going to get in trouble with my dad for drinking a beer. And it's like, Steve, you're a teenager. I'm sure he knows. And then we see Joyce walking down the street and Jonathan catches up with her. I love this argument. Like, they both are giving the performance of their lives right here. And Jonathan pulls up and he's like, get in the car. And she's like, I need to walk and think. Just go home. And he he stops the car and pulls over and runs up to her. And then he's stopping her. And she's like, just go home, Jonathan. And they're both giving the performance of their lives. And I love it. <laughs> it's such a sad moment. And they're both so justified. Because it's like, from both of their perspectives, they're totally right. You know what I mean? Like, they're not... You know, I'm not like, I know she's right, 
So I'm automatically on her side because I know she's right. But from his perspective, why would he believe this? You know what I mean? It's like, so he's worried about her losing her mind. and So it's like, you know, he thinks she's just kind of in denial. And, and, and so he's like upset himself because he has a right to be upset because it's his brother, you know? So he's trying to deal with Will's death. And she's, you know, and from his perspective, she's just being in denial and... I don't know. It's like, you can't really be mad at him, even though you're really on her side because you know she's right, because we're the audience. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> he doesn't know what we know. So it's like, you can't even really be mad at him, you know, honestly, because it's like, he doesn't know what we know. He's just reacting to his own, you know, what he, his own point of view. So it's like, <laughs> you can't even really be mad. But it's like, it's weird that they contrast between these scenes where in almost every scene, there's a woman who's right about something trying to tell a man that she's right about something and him not believing her. So it's like, and she is right, you know? So it's like, believe women, come on. <laughs> I mean, that, was, that wasn't the only point, but it's, it's kind of one of the points. That's one of my favorite lines. He's like, we got to deal with the funeral. And she's like, funeral for who? That thing back there? <laughs> Winona kills me. I love it this is so sad the first time through because she's like, you know, I'm not going to give up looking for him, you know? And it's like, that's great. And then Jonathan's like, well, you know, while you're talking to the lights, we're going to be having a funeral for him. You know, people are like gathered around. He's like, yeah, well, show's over. And like the way he walks off and like, he's like, what? You know? <laughs> and so both of their performance is perfect. Like them. Oh my gosh. It's perfect. Like, all I can think about is, like, give these people awards for this scene alone. Like, come on. They're so great. And then we go back to Will, or Mike's house. Smart Mike. I mean, he is smart. Um, Elle's trying to pick up Will again, and Lucas thinks that they tapped in a baby monitor, which is logical, but, because they hear, like, a whimpering, you know, but it sounds like Will. I heard it. <laughs> and, uh, sh sh but he's like, no, no, no. Last night he was saying words, and uh, he was singing that weird song he likes, which I guess is a song they don't know, because it's for older kids <laughs> or something. But um, Lucas is not buying it. He's like, oh, if the weirdo heard it, then I guess... And it's like, stop being me to 11. And Dustin starts to come on board, kind of, because he's like, I don't know, it sounded like him that time he fell off his bike and he was crying about it, you know, or whatever. So it's like, okay, Dustin, thank you for coming on board. <laughs> but Mike's like... Dustin's like, maybe he's not on the right, you're not on the right channel. And Mike's like, I don't think it's about that. I think sh somehow she's channeling him. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. You're right. This is, yeah, smart. I like that he, like, caught that. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. I love that. They decide they need a stronger radio, which it does work. And then um, Lucas is like, but that's at school, and uh, there's no way we're going to get her in school without people noticing I mean, look at her. And they all look at her. And she looks around at them like, what is it? And then, like, we go into this um, makeover montage. <laughs> We're just like, I love this. Uh, Mike's actually, like, putting makeup on her. It's cute. How does Mike know how to do makeup? They find a wig and a dress. Which is like, y'all... Y'all don't know how to pick out perfect dress. You know, that dress is just so not... <laughs> I don't know. It's like you could have picked out something more normal. The wig is fine, but the dress, it looks very 
something. I can't even, I don't even know. This is such an existential moment for her, and I hate that a lot of people see it as her being vain. Because she puts on the dress and the wig in the room, and, like, she comes out, and they're all standing there, and uh, Dustin's like, wow, she looks, and Mike's like, pretty. And she, like, smiles, and he's like, good. You look pretty good. She walks over to this mirror and looks in it, and she's like, pretty good. You know, she talks kind of like E.T. Not, like, the voice, but the the way he talks slowly, you know, because she doesn't know that many words. But it's like, the fact that so many people watched this and thought she was being vain. It's like, all she cares about is being pretty. And it's like, what is wrong with you? Do you not understand the complexities that are at work inside her mind right here? She lived her entire life in a freaking lab from the moment she was born. From the moment she was born, she was in a lab. And... <clears throat> From the time she was like, I don't even know how old, but before she can even really remember, uh, she's had, they've shaved her head without her consent. She did not want to have a shaved head. It's not like she was like, I want this haircut. No, they shaved her head without her permission over and over again at the lab. Like, having a shaved head is something that reminds her of the lab. Having a shaved head is part of her trauma because it was something they did to her without her consent. Like, she has never... And coming out of the lab and seeing all these other girls in pictures of Nancy and, you know, on TV and stuff, everything she's seen, she she's like, I want to be a normal girl. I want to have a normal childhood. I wish I could have had a normal childhood. But no. And then the moment these people, you know, they put a wig on her and a dress and she looks in the mirror and she sees somebody that can pass for normal. And she's like, this does not look like a girl who's been stuck in a lab her whole life. <sighs> This is an existential moment. It's not about being pretty. It's about looking like a person who doesn't stand out. It, it's about looking like a person who didn't spend their entire life in a freaking lab. Like, <laughs> you know how hard it will be to, like, every time you look in the mirror to be reminded of the trauma that you endured since the moment you were born? Since the moment you were born, you were traumatized. Traumatized over and over again every single freaking day because you're stuck in a lab and maybe you don't even realize it because you're not you don't even know anything else But then you finally realize it and you finally escape But then every time you freaking look in the mirror You're reminded that they shaved your head without your permission every time And yeah, the show might have done a better job of explaining that by having us see moments of her begging You know her papa like don't cut my hair again. I just want to look like a normal kid or something but I, did, I guess they thought they didn't need to. But you know what? I didn't think they needed to because I got it. <laughs> I don't know. It drives me crazy that people are like, all she cares about is being pretty. Do you not understand what she's been through? Do you not understand what she's been through and how what this means to her? Actually, it means so much more than just, you know, it's not about being pretty. But it's like, that's part of it because it's like she's a girl. She's a little girl. She, she's never been told. She's never been... She's never got to have anything. <sighs> have you seen her room at the lab? She didn't have pictures on the wall. She didn't have... She didn't get to have anything. She didn't get to have a pretty blanket. She didn't get to decorate her room how she wanted to. She was in a stone-cold gray room her entire life. <laughs> and I am crying because this is upsetting to me that people think this. And it's like she... She sees Nancy's room. You understand that. Like, she goes to Nancy's room and she sees the pink wallpaper and, and the 
you know, music box and all the pictures of Nancy and Barb at the beach and at birthday parties, things she never got to have ever. And she was, you know, she grew up not getting to have anything that she enjoyed. There was no joy in her life. There was nothing of joy or color or liveliness or anything pretty, anything fun, anything, you know, anything that she could just enjoy for the sake of enjoying it. She never had a mother being like, you know, telling her she was pretty or cute or anything. Like, she never got affection. And, like, nothing, nothing, literally nothing of, uh, in her whole life, her whole life, as a baby, nobody cuddled with her and told her, you know, she was cute or sang to her or gave her any love or affection her entire life. And you're going to sit there and deny her the one thing. This wig makes her feel like a normal person for the first time in her entire life. And you're going to sit there and call her vain and act like this is stupid. Well, <laughs> excuse me. Did you spend your entire life in a lab? No, I don't think you would even understand. You couldn't begin to understand, obviously, because you don't understand if you're going to sit there and act like she's shallow. Anyway, <laughs> that's a rant. Because <laughs> it makes me mad because I have seen people say this and it's like, you, you sat through this whole entire season, you watched this entire show and saw all the crap she went through and thought, oh, you thought she was upset about her hair because she wanted to be pretty and that's all she cared about. Are you freaking crazy? Like, are you freaking that? You're the one that's shallow if you, if you didn't see past that to the deeper existential thing that's going on actually with her right now. I mean, people take one look at her and they're like, whoa, what's wrong with you? You know, whoa, you're a freak. Whoa, you're a weirdo. You stand out totally because you're a bald girl. Which is like, people shouldn't be doing that anyway because people have to deal with being that way even if they're not, you know, this is not a one-time thing. This is not only on TV. This is a thing that happens in real life for other reasons. So they shouldn't be doing that anyway, but, like, it is a big deal, and it's a big deal when it happens to people. It shouldn't be, you know, I, I'm just, it represents the trauma that she's had to endure. It's not like she just cut her hair or somebody just randomly cut her hair or, like, you know, even kids that get gum stuck in their hair and they have to shave their head, it's kind of traumatic. Because it's like, they don't want to have to stand out like that. It's bad enough being bullied as a kid, you know, anyway, but, like, having extra things to be bullied about or just to, to make you stand out against your will is, like, extra bad. <laughs> I don't, I can't even, I, I'm just, like, you really just sat there and, like, had no sympathy for this child who, since birth, has never had any control or say over what she wore, what her room looked like, or what her hair looked like her entire life. And you're going to begrudge her the chance to actually feel like a normal girl for once. Like, and, and call her shallow because of it. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. Okay, that's my rant. <laughs> and I might go into it more because later it's going to come up again. But, you know... I think I've said, uh, you know, I've explained what the heck actually is going on here. 
And just to emphasize it, we go straight back to the lab right after she says that. And uh, we got some people walking down in there. And I'm like, I don't know who these people are, but there's a boy. Who is this guy? I feel like he's somebody. I feel like, I don't know. I wonder who this, I wonder if this means anything or who this guy is in the yellow thing that goes through into the upside down. <clears throat> and, and Brenner kind of seems, he call, Brenner calls him son. Is he one of the experiments from the past? I'm just wondering. Or is that just Brenner's usual way of manipulating people by acting familiar and like he's their papa? You're you're sending him to his death right now, and you and but Brenner acts like kind of actually sad about this. Anyway, they send this dude in like a yellow thing into the upside down. It's weird that he's wearing yellow and they're all wearing white. Like, shouldn't he be wearing white too? Why is he wearing yellow? Because. Apparently the atmosphere in there is toxic and apparently it's some sort of radiation is involved. He looks back at Brenner and Brenner gives him a look and he looks like he's resolved to go through this gate into the upside down. It's like, does he know Brenner? Why is he trying to make him proud? It's, it's like Brenner has manipulated him or something. At school, Nancy gets called out of class. Go talk to the police. Oh man, this conversation bothers me. That is rooted and called for. So Nancy tells them what happened, and she saw this thing, and they they're like, "It was a bear." And she's like, "No, it's not a bear. I don't know what it was. I think it took Barb." And they're like, "Well, we went and looked in the woods. There's nothing there. Her car's not there." And she's like, "What?" And her car should be there. So it's like weird that it's not. And uh, <clears throat> then she's they're like, "Is it possible she was jealous of you and Steve?" And she's like, why would she be? And he's like, you went upstairs with him? And she's like, it's not like that. We're just friends. We just talked. And he's like, is this before or after you changed out of your clothes? And I'm like, and Nancy's mom's there because she's not allowed to talk to the police without a parent or guardian present, you know? Like, that's the rules because she's a minor. But it's like, <clears throat> if I was Karen right now, I would be like, do not talk to my daughter that way. Just do not do it. Just do not. And it's it's... Yeah, no. I'm like, dude, what a jerk of saying that. That is so sexist and rude and uncalled for and just, oh my gosh. Like, it's not your business what she did with Steve. That's not even part of the equation here. Like, that's just stupid. So anyway, if I was Karen, I'd be like, that is not part of the point. Like, you're just, you know, worry about Barb. You know, this is not about Nancy and what she did with Steve. And, and, and it's like slut-shaming. They're like slut-shaming her. And it's like, this has nothing to do with that. And like, even the people that watch this are like slut-shaming. They're like, if Nancy wasn't acting like a slut, nothing would happen to Barb. And it's like, that is not... I mean, seriously. Seriously. What year is it? Is this still the 80s? Like, it's, it's just, you know. Ugh. So anyway. We go to the police station. We're going to see what's happening there. We see Hopper's blazer, which I love. It just looks so familiar, and it's it's uh, the the actual his jeep or blazer or whatever it is is a um, kind of a reference to Jaws, I think. So yeah, there's a lot of references in those city eggs. You really, you know, I don't point them all all out all the time, but like 
you know, sometimes when I think of it, <laughs> I do. But you can find them on the internet, like Easter eggs and references. But yeah. Which, of course, dressing Elle up like that in the wig and all that, that was obviously a reference to E.T. When Gertie dressed him up, you know, in a blonde wig and all that. Which, this makes more sense. <laughs> but, you know, she was, Gertie was just doing that because she was, just wanted to. <laughs> it wasn't helping anything with him. It did not make him look more normal whatsoever. But with Elle, she, she looks, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I love Elle. But anyway. Okay, so at the station, Hopper is talking to Gary, who is the coroner. Um, that's who this is. And uh, he's telling him, like, the Stadies came in with the body and they kicked me out. And it seemed a bit over the top, considering. And Hopper's like, considering what? And he's like, considering this was Will Byers and not John F. Kennedy. And it's like, seriously, what the heck is the deal with that? He's suspicious and I'm glad he followed up on that. He's a good... He, like, in real life, you know, I just wish, because this, this right here, this fictional man, is a good cop. Like, we found one, guys. <laughs> like, he's a good detective. He's actually following up on crap. He's actually doing things. I love it. He's great. He's smart. He's smart and good at being a detective, and I love, I love that he's following up on things that make him suspicious, even though... You know, he saw a body himself. It's like, what is going on here? This is not normal. I'm glad he follows up on his hunches and he's he's not just, you know, writing this off as like paranoia or like Joyce being crazy or anything like that. Like he's actually following up on this and it's like it makes me love him so much. But yeah, I love Hopper. And uh <clears throat> yeah. So he's talking to Gary, the corner. And so Elle and the boys are, are riding their bikes to school, to the school, and she's looking around in awe of everything, because she's never seen the outside world before, and uh, <clears throat> they go into the school, and Mike's like, remember, if anyone sees us, to look sad, and then we have the PA, you know, attended students, we're doing a, um assembly in honor of Will, blah, blah, blah. They're, like, miming to Eleven, because Mike tells them to look sad, and she doesn't seem to understand. So, like, Dustin and Lucas are, like, showing her, like, miming to her what he means. It's really cute. It's really cute, especially because it's them and not Mike. I'm going to watch that scene again, just because it's, like, you know, it's real quick, and I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, like, both Dustin and Lucas are showing her, like, what sad means, or, like, doing the whole crying thing and and she like she does the whole crying facial she does her fingers down her cheeks you know like that and uh they like gives her a thumbs up like yeah you got it <laughs> like it's so cute it's so cute and like especially that lucas even is doing it because it's like oh this this is cute they go to the av room and it's it's locked and this scene i love this scene so much okay let's get into it <laughs> mr clark catches them and they all turn around because they're trying to break into the AV room. And uh, he's like, uh, you guys, the assembly's about to start. And he's, Lucas is like, we're just upset. And <laughs> Mike's like, yeah, we needed some alone time. And um, Dustin's like, to cry. <laughs> and like, he's like, guys, I understand. And Lucas is pretend, like, at first he was like smiling. And then he just quickly like makes a sad face. He's doing so much, like pretending to be sad. It's so funny. So funny. He's like, let's just be there for Will, okay? And then he's like, and then, and he hands him the keys. He's like, the Heath kid is yours for the rest of the day. What do you say? 
and they're like happy about it it's like i guess he's like telling them they don't even have to go to classes or whatever so that's cool but uh they kind of snuck to school they weren't even going to go to school today and he's like i don't think i've met we've met before he sees 11 he he asked her name and she's like 11 and like mike interrupts he's like eleanor and he's like she's my and lucas is like cousin and dustin's like second cousin and they're like, she's here for the funeral. And he's like, well, welcome to Hawkins, Eleanor. I hope you're, you know. And he's like, I wish you were here under better circumstances. And she's like, thank you. <laughs> she's, she's just like, she's doing kind of a good job. But she doesn't know how to be dishonest yet. Like, she hasn't learned how to lie. So everything he asks her, she just, like, answers honestly. <laughs> which is so great. He's like, where are you from exactly? And she's like... <sighs> bad place <laughs> and Mike's like Sweden I got a lot of family in Sweden blah 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 and like they have to he's like she, she hates the cold it's really cold there blah 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 <laughs> they like have to cover it up because she, she doesn't know to lodge he's like where are you from and she's like bad place <laughs> she's just oh gosh cute as heck <laughs> Clark takes them to the assembly and they go in and like there's all these people there and Dustin's like turns around he's like abort <laughs> and then like turn him back around and push him in there and they all look kind of shocked I I've never really looked at Elle's face during this but she looks her mouth drops open and she's like wow like look at all these kids like she just looks stunned to see this many people in one place I bet she's never seen this many people at once ever um <clears throat> then we come into Nancy and Karen acts like arguing and she's like how naive do you think I am blah 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 She's like, you said you and Steve were just talking. And she's like, what? We slept together. It doesn't matter. And she's like, yes, it does matter. And she's like, no, it's all BS. She's like, Barb is missing and no one seems to care but me. No one is listening to me. No one believes me. And she's like, I'm listening. And she's like, no, you're not. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you keep telling your kids to talk to you, Karen. But the minute you find out your daughter might have, like, had sex, you're like, let's talk about that. And she's like, you know, it's not the Tom. It's really, it really doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with Barb being missing. It's not going to help anything. And lying about that doesn't help anything. So it's like, why even talk about it? <sighs> Little Nancy Drew here throws her bag on the bed. Then she gets those pictures out. She picked up some of the pictures that Steve tore up um, that were Jonathan's. And uh, sees Barb sitting there. And she's, like, staring at Barb. And then she notices that, like, there's something in another part of the picture. And she assembles the picture back together like a jigsaw puzzle and puts tape on it. And she holds the tape the weirdest I've ever seen anybody hold tape in my entire life. It's ser seriously strange the way she pulls that tape out of the thingy. And, like, how are you holding it like that? Why are you holding it like that? And she sees this faceless creature in the side of the picture. And so she's like, oh my gosh. And then she's worried about, um, or, you know, she's kind of like, I can find evidence now because Jonathan took this and blah, blah, blah. So she's a detective too. I love it. And uh, we're over halfway through this episode, which I'm proud of because it's less than an hour of the podcast. <laughs> going by pretty fast here. And uh, we're going to take an ad break because I'm over halfway through with the episode. So um, I hate to stop watching it. Like that's what's so hard about this is like doing this as a podcast because I hate to stop watching the episode. I kind of want to finish, 
whatever. I'm going to finish this podcast of this episode, and then I'm probably just going to finish watching the rest of it before the next, um, before volume two comes out, just watching it straight through. Um, of course I'm going to be watching it for the podcast each episode, but it's going to take a long time, so I kind of just want to watch all the episodes. <laughs> um, you know? Can't help it. Can't help it, because it's like, I don't want to stop watching. I know after this episode's get over, I'm not going to want to stop watching it. But anyway. Um, we're going to take an ad break. And we'll be back for the second half of this episode. And, uh, yeah. And we're back from the ad break. And we were just watching Shepard, um, go into this gate. It's like we're talking about this daggone gate. Like, <laughs> after season four, um, I've had so many conversations. Try- I'm not going to go there because no spoilers, but man. It's like, no. <laughs> anyway, I just can't wait till the second volume comes out so people will know what's up. But anyway. Um, Shepard is the name of this boy who's went into the Upside Down. and Papa's there. Brenner's there watching. He seems actually upset, though, but we'll get to that. Man, uh, this is intense, even though we don't really know these people. But, um, they talk to him over the radio, and we hear the Demogorgon. Um, and then, you know, he's like, there's something else in here. And the alarm starts blaring, and it's like the creepiest sounding alarm ever. But then the soundtrack, like... They they hear him get attacked basically, and uh, they they're like pull him in, pull him in, and like you know it's very typical like eighties sci-fi horror, you know. But the soundtrack is just incredible. This sound they do where it's like boom, boom. That sound it's like dude, that just sounds so good. Like that's just so exactly gives you the feelings. But um, I don't know, like, this scene and scenes like this kind of remind me that it's typical, like, 80s horror cheesy. It could be, but it's not. Like, it's not, a t- like, it, it is sort of influenced by 80s B-movie sci-fi, like, Tremors or something. Which, those are good. Like, I like watching those, but it's just, well, the first Tremors is good, the rest suck. But... You know, there's something extra about this show that just gives you something more. You know, there's more character development. There's, you know, there's just something else here that's more. Like, we can say, because I've heard people say, like, this is nostalgia bait, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there's something more here, though. Like, there's something else here, more here, you know. But, yeah, this is very typical sci-fi stuff, but it's like, not you know it's like there's more to it and and you're wondering what the heck because like Brenner seems actually upset so it's like does he even care you know and they drag this thing back in to the right side up and uh <laughs> that's what I call it they drag that back into the right side up and it's like Brenner looks actually upset, and it's like, did you know him? Like, did you care? Like, it's just weird to see, see, like, him, it seems like he might have cared, and it's like, was this somebody? Like, it just makes me wonder, you know? Like, was this somebody that we might see later, or have seen later, or something? I don't know, but whatever. Then we get back to the uh, school where they're having that assembly. 
so they're having this assembly and Troy and James, these bullies, are like mocking this and it's like, y'all, like, according to, like, as far as they know, Will is dead and they're like laughing about this and I'm like, are bullies really this mean? Like, this mean? Like, seriously? I don't, I don't know any bullies that would be this level of mean. Like, honestly, don't. Like, I don't, I don't know that anybody, like, if somebody was this mean, I think that, like, the whole community would shun them for acting like this, because this just is not normal. Like, that's a bad, that's bad. <laughs> but, uh, Eleven's, like, looking around, and Dustin just, like, smiles at her when she looks at him, and it's just so funny. Um... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're cute but um <clears throat> she hear you know they hear these kids mocking them and they're all like mad about it and Mike's looking at them and then Eleven like leans forward and she's like mouth breather <laughs> she knows that they're the ones that hurt him pretty much I'm pretty sure she does and also she's just like they suck you know but that's not good she just feels the energy of how this is bad. You know, they're being jerks. She she understands they're being jerks. And uh, Mike decides to confront them about this because somebody should. Girl, she is smooth. Like, he, he confronts Troy and he's like, you know, I saw you laughing over there. That's really messed up. And it's like, he's right. It is very messed up. And they're like, they continue, like, making jokes. And he says, he's in fairyland now. You know, happy and gay. And like, Mike pushes him down, which is, like, appropriate, in my opinion. It's like, yeah, I mean, somebody should stop this insanity. This guy is, like, so mean. And, um, like, <laughs> Mike pushes him down, and he gets up and turns around and starts going after Mike. But then he just, like, stops. So he, like, freezes, and I'm pretty sure somebody stopped him, you know, make him froze. He freezes too suddenly for me to think he just stopped on his own. But, um... Then he starts peeing himself, and uh, everybody starts laughing at him because he's peeing himself. And then uh, Mike turns around, and lo he looks confused, like, how is this happening? And he turns around and sees Eleven, and she kind of, like, grins, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, she's doing this. And uh, he turns back around, and Eleven, like, wipes her nose and, like, does this little spin motion where she's like, yeah, that's right, I am bad, you know, like, I am cool. Like, I love the way she does it, because she looks like she's just like, yeah, that's right, punks, like, don't, don't bother me, don't bother my friends, you know, I'm cool. Like, it just looks so funny. But, uh, <clears throat> they're all laughing, and then, like, the teacher runs everybody off. But they, like, leave, because they're going back to that room with the Heath kit, or whatever. I almost called it a Heathcliff, and it's like, this is not Wuthering Heights, people, but anyway. Jonathan's at the funeral parlor, like, having to plan Will's funeral all by himself, because <laughs> Will doesn't believe, or Joyce doesn't believe Will's dead. And Nancy's there, and he's like, uh, she comes there, I guess, just to see Jonathan, and, uh, well, obviously, but, uh, he's like, what the heck? Jonathan is dressed good. I'm glad she said that, because I was wondering, like, why... Because he walks up to her, and she's like, your mom said you'd be here. It's like, thank you, Nancy, because I was wondering, like, how the heck you knew he was here. I love the way Jonathan is dressed. Like, I really do. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Nancy's here to ask him about the pictures. He's like, it could be some distortion. She's like, you sure you didn't see anything out there? And he's like, no, she was gone. 
you know, she was there one minute, then she was gone the next, and, um, she's like, the police think that she ran away, but they don't know Barb, and then she's like, <clears throat> I went back to Steve's, and I thought I saw something, a man or something, I don't know what it was, and Jonathan's just, like, listening, and she, she's just like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have come here today, because, like, you know, he's planning Will's funeral, and, uh, she starts to leave, but Jonathan's like, what do you look like? You know, because he's starting to wonder some stuff, because she's, you know, sound. this is sounding kind of familiar to him, you know? And she starts describing him. She's like, I don't know, it's like he, almost like he didn't have, and Jonathan's like, didn't have a face, and she's like, how did you know that? So it's like, bam. <laughs> it's, it's like such a happy moment when you're watching it for the first time, because it's like, finally, you know, things are coming together. We got confirmation from two different people, you know? It's, it's one of those, like, yes, thank you. I love these kind of moments and things where, like, people are finally starting to see the connections, you know? And it's, like, two people have saw the same thing, and so they're not crazy. So, you know, it's, it's just great. I don't know why he does this, but it makes me so sad. But anyway, we go to a bar, and Hopper's sitting in a bar with some guy, and he, he, like, gets a guy beside of him a drink. He's like, another one, please, and another one for my friend here. And he's like, oh, thanks. He's like, guess all right, I'm celebrating. My, my daughter won a spelling bee today. <sighs> <Is this, laughs> it's not bad of him. I'm not mad at him for this, but it's just, it's so sad to me. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. He, he, oh man, it's, he continuously does this, which it's like, <sighs> you know, he's so good at it. You know, he's so good at making them seem like real stories. This dude asked her name. Hopper makes up a word that she said during the spelling bee. And that guy asks her name and he tells her, tells him it's Sarah. And you can see the pain in his face when he has to say it. It's like, <sighs> you could have talked about anything else right now, dude. Like, this is so sad. But he, that guy cheers. He's like, to Sarah, you know, and they cheers. And then, uh. Hopper is basically just doing this to get into a conversation with this guy because he wants to find out some information from this guy. So this is the guy that found Will's body, supposedly. And uh, he's like, because Hopper's like, I, I recognize you. Are you famous or something? Like, he's he's so good at this, like, acting casual. And uh, the guy's like, yeah, I found that buyer's boy. And he's like, so that Corey, that's state-run, isn't it? And that guy's like, yep, it sure is. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Oh, man. And it, as an audience member, it's just like, we're finding out stuff, too. Like, like it's kind of like, you know, Hopper's onto something. And it's it's great that he follows up with this. He doesn't really have to do that. The case is closed, but he's not letting it go, you know? And I love that about him. I love him. Hopper calls him out for lawn, and the guy tells him, like, Stick, keep your nose out of the business, you know? Keep, mind your own business. And uh, he's like, the kid is dead. Just let drop it. And then he gets mad and leaves, and so we see Hopper beating the crap out of him outside. And uh, Hopper's like, tell me what's going on here. Who do you work for? Who are you lying for? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I don't know. They just told me to call it in and not let anybody get too close. And Hopper's like, too close? Too close to what? And he's like, the body. Oh, we got a title mention here, but also, yeah. What? The body? What? Hopper's like, who do you work for? The, the NSA? Hawkins Lab? And uh, they hear a car engine start. And Hopper turns around and sees this black car. 
and uh, that guy's like, you're gonna get us both killed, and Hopper's like, who is that, huh, hey, hey, and like, he takes off after him, it's like, Hopper, man, <laughs> you just don't know, man, like, oh, man, I mean, it's like, I'm glad that he's doing this, but it's like, you are one cop going up against, like, the entire government, basically, so it's like, oh, I don't know what you think you're gonna do, but okay, I mean, like, you know, what a brave man. This moment is beautiful. She turn. We go back to Joyce's, and uh, she turns on the radio, and we hear this, you know, thing right here. Oh, that sound! Like that's just that's a perfect song for this for some reason. I don't know why. It just fits. So, it's just so good. It gives you this feeling of like. It's kind of scary, and like honestly, every time I hear that song now, I'm like triggered into remembering this like show and episode and all this. Then we go back to uh, the school, and the boys are you know setting up the uh, Eve kit to for Eleven to like hear Will or whatever. She goes into a flashback, and it shows us how she does this, and um, she's sitting like in the chair with her knees up to her face and Brenner wants her to find this man who's in a picture in front of her and he's like that man before you I want you to find him and she goes hurt him and he's like no I don't want you to hurt him and it's like man she is severely you can tell she's severely traumatized and she doesn't want to hurt anybody you know what I mean and so it's like you know there's a lot there's a lot here to, you know of, of just Man, there's just a lot here inside her head and memories that I can't get into. But just, wow. Like, the way she's acting and very timid, it's it's just very upsetting. You know, and Hopper's like, I want you to find him and listen to him and repeat the words that he says back to me. Just like we used to do with those old nursery rhymes, remember? And she's like, mm-hmm. Like, it's so freaking sad. I'm like, ah. <laughs> You know, it was so terrible, but... Um, you know, we, we kind of see how this plays out, like, they do a good visual representation of what she's doing. Um, she finds him, and hears the words, but, like, what I find interesting is on the soundtrack, we're hearing the same, like, sound, like, every few moments that we hear when the Demogorgon's around. So it's like, you know, <laughs> there's, like, a parallel between Eleven and the Demogorgon, you know? And, um... There always was, you know, and so it's like interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. But uh, she's hearing the words he's saying and, you know, Brenner is like 11, repeat the words back and then like the lights go out and then we hear the man talking over the intercom. So she's channeling him through the, the nearest like speaker. And so he can just hear it and it's like this works better than what than her just saying it. But uh, yeah. I mean, I don't like Brenner, so. <laughs> but this is, you know, how she does this. And so she's going to be doing the same thing with Will and the Heath kit at school. And so, yeah. This is a flashback, though, obviously. So, And at the school, they're like, Mike's like, she's doing it. She's finding him. And Lucas is like, calm down. She just closed her eyes. But then the light goes off and then they hear this banging in the uh, radio thing. 
Then we also hear the clanging. At, they, we go over to Joyce's and we hear that clanging at her house. And she turns the music off. And like, okay, so Joyce hears the clanging and then they hear Will. They all hear Will, like, whimpering and yelling for his mom. And uh, Joyce hears it and she runs outside because she... So he's banging on the wall in her living room, but she goes outside to see, and there's nothing there, and she looks confused. She goes back in. She goes back in, and then the kids at school are confused about what's going on. And uh, she's, like, confused about what's going on, but she's, like, trying to find him, so she, like, pulls the wallpaper off the wall, and there's this, like, I don't know, this red, like, barrier between Will and her. And, uh, it looks like a see. It's like see-through, like red stuff, and it's like if he they can get through this at this point. But I think it's this spot is working for them because um, this is the spot where the demogorgon came through before, and the area is still weak. the The area of the wall between worlds is weak right there, you know, <laughs> because he already used that place as a portal. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that. You know, <laughs> it's weird, but um. <clears throat> she's talking to him and she's like, you know, he's telling her it's so dark and it's like home, but it's dark and empty and it's cold. And, uh, the kids are hearing this too. Like everything he's saying to Joyce, they can hear, but he can't hear them and they can't hear Joyce, you know? So they can only hear Will, but he can't hear them. But, you know, back at Joyce's, Will is actually there. You know, you can actually see him through this thing. And, uh, Honestly, if they had Tom, like, they, they could have probably got him out right here if they would have, like, been able to, if she would have had that axe and, like, chopped through it right then. But, uh, yeah, no. It was, like, the barrier between worlds. There was, like, a, a weak spot in it. And, um, you know, he was talking to her through that. Somehow he connected. They hear the monster coming. Like, Joyce can hear the Demogorgon coming, and she's like, I promise I will find you, but you have to hide now. Go, run, I will find you, but you have to run and hide. Like, she's trying to protect him from the thing now, you know, because she's like, I will find a way to find, get you, and I'll come for you, but you gotta hide from this thing right now, you know? Like, right now you need to be hiding from this thing or it's gonna get you, but then, like, you see the barrier closing, like, her wall growing back together, and, um, then the Heath kit at school just like catches on fire and pretty much blows up and they have to like use a fire extinguisher on it and Eleven like passes out because this has been a lot for her and Joyce gets the axe and chops a hole through her wall trying to get to Will but she once the hole is chopped you know there's nothing there but uh, the outside of her house <laughs> you know her yard and then Mike is trying to get Will, or Mike is trying to get Elle to get up, and she can't. She's just, like, kind of passed out, so they have to put her on this, like, AV cart and, like, push her out, because she can't even, like, get up. And, like, of course, the fire's at the fire alarm off, so everybody's running out of the school. So, yeah. And we go to the dark room where Jonathan's, you know, enlarging and brightening this part of the photograph. And, um, Nancy's like, did your mom say anything else? Like, where it might have gone to? And she, he's like, no, just that it came out of the wall. So it's like, he told her what his mom said, obviously. So they filled each other in. <laughs> Jonathan's always so freaking insightful. She's like, 
<clears throat> asking questions about photography and uh he's like i guess i'd rather observe people than talk to them and she's he's like it's weird and she's like no it's not and he's like no it is he's like but people don't always say what they're really thinking and if with you know when you capture the right moment it says more <laughs> it's like mm, that's pretty cool and um She's like, what was I saying when you took a picture of me, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh. <laughs> Hello, I'm Nancy and I'm a slut. No, not really. I'm just kidding. I don't want to be adding to the list of innumerable people that have slut-shamed Nancy for no reason. She's like, what was I saying when you took my picture? And he's like, I shouldn't have taken that. And I'm like, N yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have. But <laughs> I do ship them. I do ship them. And obviously they're together in real life. But, uh, you know, I ship them hard the picture develops and they both see it and he's like my mom I thought she was crazy she said well that he was alive and she's like and he's like if he's alive and or she's like if he's alive and he's like then Barbara and I'm like Jonathan what you care more about Will but whatever I mean I guess he's saying I guess they're kind of just realizing both of them could be alive you know but it's like just because Will's alive doesn't mean that Barbara's alive like all that you're really discovering from this picture is that there's a creature that nobody knows what it is, you know, that your mom's not crazy, but, um, yeah, and then we see Hopper going to the morgue, and this part's messed up. I really like this scene, too. I like every scene, but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I might as well just say that about all, all of them. He gets ready to go in, and then he takes his hat off and sets it down on the, in his car, then he walks in, and she's like, do you need something? He's like, oh, I forgot my hat. And, like, pretending like he left his hat here. So it's like, he planned this from right out in the car. I freaking love that. <laughs> I love that. And this is named after a Steve... This episode is named after a Stephen King novel. Or, not novel, but short story. The Body. Um, and what do we see? Hopper goes in. There's a guard standing outside... Or setting outside of the autopsy room, which is, like, weird to begin with. What is that weird sound? That's freaky. But this guard is sitting outside of the autopsy room reading uh, Cujo. <laughs> and uh, we know that because on the back there's a picture of Stephen King and Hopper's like, hey, I love that book. It's a nasty mutt. So he's reading Cujo. But uh, Hopper's like, yeah, I need to go down and blah, blah, blah. Like he makes up some excuse to go in there. Hopper's like, I just got off the phone with the band, and he sees he needs to see you down at the station. He said it was an emergency, and that guy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't work with O'Bannon. And Hopper's like, did I say O'Bannon? I meant... And he makes this face. <laughs> I can't even describe it, but the face he makes is hilarious. He just, like, smacks his lips together and is like, okay, and then just, like, punches him twice, and it's like, all right. <laughs> that's just... He's not even... <laughs> just some... Like, that's his solution to everything, is just punch some people. Like, dude, no. I mean, it's working for him now, but, like, you know, maybe in the future, I don't know, he continues to do this repeatedly, but it, it always works for him, but it's like, only you can get away with this hopper. Only because you know which are the right people to punch, and, and not just, like, random people. <laughs> like, why would they even have a guard at the freaking autopsy place? That's a weird thing to be having there anyway, you know? And Hopper goes in and is, like, looking at the bodies and these things. And he finds Wills. He pulls the thing out. And, man. <sighs> yeah, that's Will. I mean, it looks exactly like him. I'm pretty sure that's Noah. But 
not the whole time, but anyway, Hopper is like bracing himself. He has to walk away and like get his breath and do all this. And he comes back over and like <laughs> takes more of the blanket off of it and like touches the kid's chest. And he like gasps because it doesn't feel normal. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like it's supposed to. He looks confused and then he he has to like brace himself and he takes out a pocket knife. And you can tell he's really struggling because this is not something he really wants to do. But he cuts into the body. He hesitates a lot. <laughs> and like braces himself to do this. And he cuts into the body. And uh, it feels like it's not supposed to feel. It's basically rubber. And he like is shocked to find that it's rubber. And inside the body is cotton. It's just cotton. It's a it's a dummy. It's a fake. The whole insides is cotton. And he looks very mad. <laughs> he looks very mad. And this car, you know, Joyce is kind of like, she's been tearing up her walls, blah, blah, blah. So she's kind of a mess in the living room. Well, I think she's drinking. I, I can't remember, but She's just a wreck, and uh, a car pulls up, and we see the headlights pull in, and we're like, oh, Hopper came over to tell her that Will's not dead. But no, that's not what happened. <laughs> and it's Lonnie. He gets out of the car, and he's like, babe, what the heck happened? And it's like, don't call her babe. Like, don't call her babe. But she runs up and, like, hugs him. But it's like, he sh I mean, it's normal for him to show up because Will died, you know, according to... Most people in this town, Will is dead, so obviously his dad should be here. But, uh, you know, that's not who we wanted to see. And they're, like, hugging because, you know, he thinks Will's dead and she just doesn't even know what's going on. And, uh, so it's like, this is pretty typical, you know, I mean, at least he cares enough to come back for his son's funeral. Um, and then we go over to Huggins National Laboratory. We're at the fence and it's a restricted area. We see somebody pulling up to that. And it's like, why did, instead of, you, the first place you should have went is Joyce's house, Hopper. But anyway, we see Hopper going to the lab, but he's not going in the front door. No, 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 no. That's not what he's doing. Uh, he knows they're covering up crap. So he comes here with some wire cutters and starts cutting the wires in the fence. And that's the end of the episode. It's like, dude. What do you think you're doing? You know how many people work there and how many security guards they have? Look at all the trouble they went through to hide a body. Like, look how... I mean, they weren't even hiding a body. They were faking a body, which is, like, really weird. But it's also, like... They have the ability to make an exact replica of a kid that they've never even met. How did they do that? <laughs> the right birthmarks and everything. You think they're slacking? Like, no, you can't just break into the lab. Like, they they have a lot going on. Like, no, man. <laughs> like, you know how much pull and reach they have? And, tech, like, they are, you know, there's a lot. Um, they can fake a body like that, so they can do a lot more. You know, so it's like, I wouldn't, I'm not saying he shouldn't do anything. I'm just saying, like, maybe going in alone with just some wire cutters is not the best idea. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you need to plan this out more before you just go rushing in there. Uh, he's a little, um, 
hasty with things. And it's like, shouldn't you have at least told Joyce first? Because it's like, uh, <laughs> at least tell her you believe her and that she's not crazy. But whatever. I don't like that picture. I didn't even notice the lab was in it. But anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was episode four. The body. We got a lot of Stephen King references in there. And then next episode will be episode five. And, uh, it's called The Flea and the Acrobat. The Flea and the Acrobat. I knew that from memory. <laughs> um, but anyway. This is, like, one of the only shows that I know the names of the episodes. Maybe it's season one mostly, but a lot of the episodes I know the names of, which is, like, rare for me. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> which usually I know a lot of stuff about shows, but episodes, like... Especially things that I binge watch. It's like, what did this happen? Did that happen in episode one or two or three? I don't even know, but I know it happened. I just don't remember which episode. And like the names of episodes specifically. Um, it's not something I'm usually good at, but with this show, it's a lot easier for some reason. Because it's like, well, I know that the next one's called The Flea and the Acrobat because it's the episode where well, the funeral happens, and then after the funeral, they're talking about the flea and the acrobat with, uh, Mr. Clark. <laughs> so, yeah. That's how I knew. But, um, I'm excited for the next one. I wish I could watch it, but I, like I said, I was gonna watch it all the way through, but I'm like, I don't wanna, I was just gonna watch it, like, after this, and just, like, watch it all the way through. Um, but I don't think I'm going to because it kind of, like, I'll miss things, you know what I mean? I won't be as into it the second time through, so I don't want to watch the next episode and then have to watch it again for the next podcast, because then it'll be harder to, like, focus, and if I deny myself the joy of watching it, I'll be more into it when I podcast about it, so, <laughs> um, which it's hard not to get into these episodes anyway, but still, you know, um, okay, I guess that's all, and, uh, you'll hear from me next time. I'll try not to wait so long between episodes, but, you know, i got a lot going on. Well, I'm actually taking kind of a summer break from some of the stuff I'm doing. Kind of cutting back for the summer on, like, all the things I do. Because I do a lot of things. <laughs> I'm, like, piling on. Um, but now I'm kind of cutting back on, like, classes, like, online classes and stuff. Because I'm like, I'll take a summer break from my online classes and that'll, you know, free up Tom for other things. But anyway, you don't care about my personal life. Uh, <laughs> so, so where are you from exactly? Bad place. <laughs> ah, girl, you are so right. And also, another quote I love is um, Joyce Byers when she's like, I don't care if anyone believes me. It's like, that's right, girl. <laughs> but anyway, see you guys later.